good to be in the house of the Lord this morning, amen. It is good to be alive this morning, amen, hallelujah. Just to have the breath in our lungs, amen, the sight in our eyes, the activities of our bodies, to just offer our praises up to God this morning. He is a good God, amen. And we just worship him and we praise him, amen. So this morning as we go to the word, we just want to just receive from what, what the Lord is saying. We have been diligently walking through the passages in Joshua, just seeing the, the Israelites' journey, how they crossed, how they left Egypt, how they got delayed in the desert, and now we're at the point to where they are crossing the Jordan. And I believe this morning that we have started crossing our Jordan, amen? If you have not started crossing the Jordan, I need you to look up at the Ark of the Covenant, amen? Look and see God, see what God is doing in your life and begin to make that crossover so that we can all be, get into our promised land, get it, we can all get into the place where God has called us to be, amen? So as, as if you have read through the whole chapter of Joshua, and I hope that you have, there are just ups and downs and circumstances that were just happening in and throughout this passage of, of scripture. And so as they cross over and they get circumcised and the angel of the Lord meets them and the angel of the Lord begins to pour into Joshua and tell him the next directions and they take down Jericho and they begin to gain, uh, to do the things God has promised them. The land is beautiful, the, the fruit is plentiful and they begin to just do all the things that God has called them to do. And then as you continue to read, we see where they're going to take over another region and this character, this, this, this Israelite named Achan takes down the whole camp because they go in and they defeat the enemies and he decides, wow, they got some stuff. They got things in here. And God had directly told him, do not take anything. Don't, don't touch nothing, go in and just conquer the land. Well, he goes in and he takes gold and he takes, he just begins to just, greed just took over him and he brings it back to the camp and he hides it. <laughs> and he thinks, well, he thought he was hiding it. And God said, uh, so then they go out and they get defeated in their next attempt. And God said, told, told uh, Joshua, there's sin in the camp. Someone has disobeyed me. So Joshua lines them up, tribe by tribe, person by person, and goes through. And when he finds out that it's Achan, and Achan tries to explain why he took it, God said, or Joshua said, they stoned him to death. They had to take him all the way out because they didn't want sin in the camp. They didn't want evil in the camp. They didn't want greed in the camp. And so as I was reading that, I just began to say, dang, that's, that's kind of rough. I mean, they stoned, they stoned the brother. They stoned his family. All, all of them. Were, um, had to go. And I just begin to ask God, you know, why is it that, uh, that you, you know, totally annihilated him? How come you didn't let him, you know, how come you didn't forgive him? And God said it's because of the heart. It's because the heart is not right. That the heart has to be pure before him. Amen. So this morning we want to talk about having a pure heart. We, we want to talk about doing things different. And we want to talk about what God has for us. So, Father God, we come to you this morning. As I stand to preach your word, as I stand to teach your word, Father God, Father God, that you just come into this place, God, and infiltrate our hearts and minds, God. 
for those that are watching online, Father God, from across the globe, Lord, even penetrate their hearts and minds, God. Clear out anything, Lord, that will block the word of God. Because we want to go forth, Father God. We want to be able to cross this river, Father God. We want to go into our promised land. We want to do all that you've called us to do, to be, and to become. God, we thank you this morning. And we bless your name. We bless your name. We bless your name. Amen. Amen. To all of our online watchers, we, we love you. I want to say hello to my sister, Wynona, who is watching. <laughs> we were having some funny text messages yesterday, and she was telling me that I need to tell you guys the stories of how I treated her as a child. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but I will just say we had an interesting life. <laughs> Um, but anyway, this morning as we get, get go into the Word, we're going to be looking at, um, I, wanna, I don't want to just specifically stay in Joshua, but I want to just show the parallel of how God's people continue to work, do the works of God, and then at some point they just kind of give up or, or something goes awry. But what God is doing in this, this new season, this new paradigm that we're about to shift in, God is doing something different, amen? So the, the, the title of the sermon is, It's Time to Do Something Different. Amen? It's time to do something different. As, as people of God, we will come to church, we will sing our songs. You know, the pattern of, of how the service goes is always the same, amen? The, the pattern of our meetings, the pattern of our missions and groups and everything tends to stay in the same vein. But God is saying that it's time to do something different. We have been practicing, we have been ministering to each other, and God is saying, I sent a pandemic because I'm doing something different. Amen? I sent this virus so that the church can begin to wake up and do something different. God is calling for us to do something different in this season. So um, as, we, as we stay on this continuum for the, uh, in the journey that we are, um, and as we try and, you know, of course, everyone wants to get to their purpose, everyone wants to get to their promised land. But let's remember that even in the difference, God wants us to keep our eyes on him, amen? God wants us to keep our hearts open. God wants to keep us pure and holy. God doesn't want the spirit of Achan, the, the greed, the, the, the selfish gain to, um, to pop up. But God says, keep your eyes on me, and uh, I'll help you across that, that Jordan River. I'll help you become all that I have called you to be. So if there was ever a time when we, we really needed God, it is now. Amen? Hallelujah. We have, you know, nothing's really changed much in the world. We still have uh, Corona. She's still around. Delta has joined her. We have political uproar. We have um, climate change. We have political issues. You know, things are going on, and, and it seems like, you know, things are kind of quiet. But trust me, the enemy is on point and doing everything he can to make sure that the, the, the will of God does not come forth. So it's, it's important for us as a church, as a body, as Christians, that we keep our eyes on God. Um, a lot of us, we, don't, we cannot see uh, Jesus in our everyday life because of the fact that we have these false expectations. We want God to just 
do, do, do. You know, we act like he's the genie in the bottle and we rub, if we rub the bottle, you know, he's going to do this. He's going to answer that prayer. He's going to do this. God wants to do those things for you, but God wants your heart to be right and God wants your heart to be ready to receive. So um, as we go through this season of change here in our house, in the house of restoration, um, God wants to bring heaven into this earth realm. God wants to, to, to uh, just allow us to see him in a different light, in a different form. And I believe just like in old times, even in, um, in, the, in the Old Testament, you hear, they hear the voice of God. They see these miraculous mir miracles. Even throughout the Bible, you hear these miracles. You hear of the presence of God being with them, especially when Jesus was on earth. You, the people got to see it. They got to feel it. They got to taste it. They got to touch it. And I believe God is getting ready to manifest himself again in a very powerful way that he will use the people of God to do the things of God. In the scripture, it says, greater things, than, greater things will you do. Amen? And as Christians, we all have the same ability. We all have the same power. We all have the same anointing. Hallelujah. And it is time for us to do something different. We talk about it. We read about it. We witness pieces of it. But God says, I want you to begin to, to, to follow me, to follow Christ, to do the things that I've called you to do, the great miracles that are within you, the healings that are within you. Everyone in here is endowed with a spiritual gift. Everyone in here is a voice of God. And God says, I am about to upraise. I'm about to rise up the church. I'm about to raise you up, amen, so that we can do the things of God. So the problem really becomes with our trust and our hope in God, amen. Uh, we are, our feeble attempt to be Christians, to walk in a, in a Christian manner, is not what God is calling for. Amen? God is not calling for you to, to, to have a pattern like the world has set. I'm a good Christian. I pay my tithes. I go to Sunday school. I do this and that. God's not impressed with that. God wants your heart. God wants that piece of you that only you know about. That place where you, you kind of hide out, you kind of duck and dive, you kind of stay in that shaded place. God said, that's what I'm after. Because once I can get that, once I can heal that in you, then the fullness of God will be able to, to come up out of you. The fullness of God will be glorified in you. So for me, um, I, I, I am just continually going through this process, amen? Consecration, circumcision, you know, you just don't, Realize, I bet y'all didn't realize how much junk you had into you until you started circumcising yourself every five minutes. You were like, my goodness, you know, the thoughts that come to us, the thoughts that come to us even when we're driving, going to work, at home, all the things, all the negativity that the enemy continually puts before us. And you're just like, my goodness, how many times do I need to circumcise myself? How many times do I need to repent? And God is saying that, that sin, some of our sin issues are so deep that it's going to take on our circumcision, but it's going to take the love of God. It's going to take the obedience of us surrendering to God to be able to change that. So we are going to be looking at Luke chapter 5, and we're going to be going through uh, verse 1 and 11. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I was just meditating, and the Lord just began to drop this in my spirit, and um, I really could see the parallelism of this with the children of Israel as they were... Um, crossing the Jordan and, and the things that they were countering. So as they were crossing the Jordan, let me tell you, 
it wasn't just like, oh, we're, we're marching, we're marching up to Zion. Let me tell you, <laughs> it was not, it wasn't that pretty, amen? It was a long, treacherous journey. It was a steep journey. And when they got over, trust and believe me, some of them had some attitudes, some of them had sore feet. So, you know, just, just life. Life was still going on. It wasn't like, you know, they just crossed over and just moved into the promised land. Put yourselves in there. If you were walking through, what, 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 what attitude, what disobedience, what did you carry over? What are you carrying over? God is saying, I want, to, I want to circumcise you. I want you to cross over. But even in our feeble attempt to cross over, sin is still in our lives. That's why he calls us to, to circumcise ourselves. That's why he calls us to circumcise our hearts, to circumcise and, and, and consecrate ourselves before him. So in chapter 5 of Luke, um, it's a long book, I mean, a long chapter, but if you read it, you will just see uh, over and over where um, it really is about the call to faith. It really is where Jesus is beginning his earthly ministry, and he's calling the disciples. And um, it's combined with miracles, it's combined with stories and dialogues um, and parables, and Jesus showed the reason to follow in faith, the will to follow and the power to follow, the position to follow, and the lifestyle that it will take to follow him. In each case, it stood in direct opposition of the Jewish religious leaders, and Jesus showed himself to be equal with God in power, authority, and preaching, and equality, and the leaders could not accept, nor did they want to accept, the equality that would lead to the cross. So here we are. Put yourself in this position. I am a born-again believer. I have the power. I have the authority. I have everything I need to be able to do the things that Jesus did. But we have to have the possess. We have to ha have allow God to do it for us. We have to, to remove ourselves out of the out of the transition. So the problem in the in our passage today is that they had a faulty perception. The, the Pharisees and everyone had a faulty perception of who Jesus was. Here is this young cat, 33 years old, coming in, and I mean literally, flocks of people are leaving the church, you know? People are leaving the church, people are following him, they're after, after what he, you know, not so much after uh, the word, but after what he had to offer. He was healing, he was restoring, he was doing things that they had never seen before. And so the church was after that. And I believe oftentimes, as people of God, we run after those things. Not so much the salvific part of it, but God, this is the issue in my home. I need my mortgage paid. I have a wavered child. And we begin to run after those things. But God is saying this morning, I want you to run after me. Amen? I want you to run after me. So the main idea today is Jesus' Jesus's divine power and authority gives us reason to follow him in the new ways which the old religion rejects. When I say God is about to change some things, God is about to change some things. God no longer wants us to walk in religion, amen? God no longer wants us to be uh, a people of just, you know, staunch religion. This is, you got to do this. You got to do that. You got to be a Bible thumper. You got to talk in tongues. You got to be able to lay hands. God's not asking us to do those things. That's what religion has built up. That's what the church has built up about works. And God says, it's not about the works that you do. 
It's about the manner in which you do it. It's about what's in your heart. What's in, what, why, what is the motive behind you doing it? You know, as churches and as, as church leaders and stuff, we want to see, you know, people want the mega, mega churches. They want, you know, all the bells and whistles. They want all these things. But God is saying, you're missing one thing. You're missing one thing. And that's the love of my son flowing through you. So our big idea today is Jesus' divine power reveals human sinfulness and calls people to follow him in a new profession. Amen. God wants us to do something different. Amen. He wants to change our professions. He wants to change us into to, to thriving Christians. Christians that are carrying his word out of this building, not just coming in here on a Sunday, not just coming here to do your little, your, your, your sessions, your Bible studies and everything, but God says, I'm about to change your profession. I'm about to make you a disciple of men. Amen. A disciple that goes out into the community, to the workplace, in their homes, in their neighborhoods, and is sharing the love of, of Jesus. So let's just read real, real quickly. I'm going to read um, in part. Uh, chapter, I'm going to start at chapter 5. I'm going to break it up. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But um, in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 3, it says, On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put, out, to put out a little bit from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So in this, in this scene, we have uh, the crowd, the church. <laughs> people had so, you know, he, he, was, he was becoming very popular. People were like, girl, did you hear? You know so-and-so down the street? She is healed. I saw her at the market. I, 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 you know, and they just began to, to, to express the miracles and express the healings that were going on in the community. And a great crowd began to follow him. Notice Jesus did not have a church, amen? He did not have four walls. He did not stay in a building to do his ministry. His ministry was always out in the community. Hint, hint. Always out in the community. So you, you can imagine these, these Pharisees and Sadducees on a Sunday morning, if he, was, if he was walking the streets, their congregations were walking the streets, amen? They were following him. They were yearning to learn of him. Not everybody in there was, was uh, some people were just wanting to know more of him, wanting to have an intimate relation, wanting to know the things of God. But there were some that were just wanting a miracle, some wanting power, some fighting to say, let me see how I can get next to him. He's pretty popular. You know, I want to be, I want to, I want to, I want to have a position with him. And so you had all these, this motley crew of people and the crowd had gotten so huge. The following had gotten so huge that they were pushing him back into the sea. He was, he was on the shoreline of the sea. So much, so many people were pressing up, pressing into him. And that word press means to just you know, they were just smushing into him. He could barely move. He could barely walk. And his only choice was, I got to get in the seat. <laughs> you know, I, I, there's no room. And I believe that if he had gotten in the seat, those people would have came right on out in the, in the water with him. And so as he's walking along, he notices uh, that there's two boats 
and he sees the fishermen cleaning their nets. And that's Peter and his boys. They had been out all night long fishing, hadn't made a catch, and were now cleaning their nets and calling it a day. And I don't know if you've ever um, seen how that, how uh, when, when a net is, ca- it's a different style of fishing. When I was uh, first dating Pastor Gilbert and when we would go over to the islands, there's a little inlet, a little cove that he would take me to. And I just, I just fell in love with this place. Every time I go there, I want to, every time I go, I want to go there because that's the first time I ever witnessed anybody cast a net and, um, to fish. Now, me and my, I'm a fishing woman. If you don't know now, you know. I can fish. And me and my dad used to fish. That was our thing. But we fished for, with a hook, with a, with a pole and a hook, you know, one line at a time. Maybe we'd have two poles in the water. And it's a funny story. When Pastor and I were first dating, me and my dad would go on the weekends and go camping and go to the lake. And he came with us one time. <laughs> and he, just, he was just clueless. He was like, what? Are, what? You guys fish with a pole? And he goes, we're going to be here all day, you know? And so my dad, I was explaining, well, this is how we fish. This is what we do, you know? You see who can catch the most fish. And so um, he cast out, you know, and nothing, he wasn't catching anything. And then finally he caught this huge catfish. And he was just so excited. But in his excitement, he jumped up and he broke the top of my dad's pole. (laughs) And my dad don't play with his fishing stuff. And I was just amazed because he's like, oh boy, that's okay. That's okay, I'm going to do what I said. If that had been me, I'd have been swimming back to shore. But he couldn't understand that. So he was always like, Mr. Jones, Mr. Jones, I'm going to take you to the islands and I'm going to show you how to fish. I'm going to show you how to really fish. And so he took me there and it was just an amazing thing that they would throw this net out and it would drop down and then they'd draw the fish in. And I mean, there'd be all kinds of fish in there. Sometimes they'd grab a turtle. And I was just like, wow. You know, he's like, see, we done for the day. You know, you just throw it out one time and we're done. And so um, these men were cleaning the nets because once you cast it out, whatever's in the path of it, you grab seaweed, moss, whatever, whatever's there. And so it's very, a very tedious job to clean the nets. And I had witnessed some of the men cleaning the nets, and I'm like, wow, that's, that's a lot of work. Well, so Jesus is walking along the shore, and he sees them cleaning the nets, and the press was so much, so hard upon him that he sees two boats. And uh, he hastily, I, I believe, he hastily jumped into one of the boats and told Simon Peter, hey, can you push out? Can you push out? <laughs> and, and he asked him to thrust out quickly because the crowd was just engulfing him. And so they push out and Jesus sits on that boat and he begins to minister on the Sea of Galilee. He begins to, to, to on the Sea of Genesaret. He begins to just minister to the people. And so Peter and them are just like, cool, you know, okay. We good, you know, we, we're tired. We want to go home. Uh, but they allowed Christ to use their, 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 their boat we need to allow Christ to use us, amen, to use us in a profound way. Peter had no idea that he was getting ready to encounter a miracle. Jesus, uh, the, uh, Peter had no idea what was about to happen. All he knew was this somewhat of a stranger was on his boat, and he was speaking to the crowds. See, Peter hadn't officially met Christ yet. He hadn't officially, he had heard about him, of course, he had become, uh, Christ, Jesus was coming very popular. And so he knew enough to respect him and to say, oh, that's that dude that they've been talking about. 
That's the one that's been healing. That's the one that the crowds are following. And so he was obedient in allowing him to use his boat. But when you, so when you join God in his work, and that's exactly what Peter did, God will use you in such a profound way uh, so that Christ can just really begin to deal with those things that keep us from recognizing him. So Peter is thinking, oh, he needs to speak to the multitude. And Christ is really, I'm after you. I want to meet one-on-one with you. But Peter, it, it hadn't registered yet. And so when Christ wants to take you away from the crowd, when Christ, when Christ says, I need you to pull back, I need you to take a little sabbatical, I need you to take a rest, when God invites you to join him in his work, sometimes you have to pull away. You have to pull away from situations. You have to pull away from people so that Christ can really get your attention. So um, in this, this narrative, this miracle study, um, the disciples ended up joining Jesus in ministry uh, as you read further in it. But the call to the mission did not come in a quiet time of relaxation and rest. It came in a time where there was a crowd, where there was uh, a, a lot of busyness going on, Um, But even in that, they listened to the authoritative voice of the man of God. They listened to Jesus. Uh, Even though the crowds were pushing him to the brink of the sea, um, a fishing boat that belonged to a man named Peter was a vehicle in which Peter was able to get an encounter with God. Amen? So Jesus asked Simon Peter to push out. And he did, and Jesus taught. So when God um, acts, God will thrust you from the crowd to reveal your purposes, calling, and partnership in his mission. When, when God uh, had Peter push out from the crowd, trust me, <laughs> Peter was probably like, what? Okay, you know, this is, this is that man. And he, uh, he obeyed him. But I just wonder what he was doing on that boat while Jesus was teaching. You know, was he just standing there waiting, or was he, you know, cleaning out his boat? What was he doing? But whatever he was doing, it caught uh, Simon Peter. It caught his heart. It caught, it caught him in a way that he was able to say to God, okay, I'll give you, I'll allow you to have this time. So when we look at verses, um, where was, where were we? we were in, so verses 4, We see it, and when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. (laughs) Peter was a professional fisherman. This was his, this was his, Gift. It was, a, it was a, something that he did, something that he did well with. He had his own fishing business. And as they had toiled all night long, now you know, if you've ever been fishing, sometimes you just don't catch nothing. Sometimes, you, you know, you just got to enjoy, enjoy the scenery, enjoy whatever it is, because sometimes there's just the fish aren't, aren't biting and you're not casting or you're not catching anything. And so you got you to gotta just put yourself in this scenario. Jesus is done talking to the crowd. He dismisses the crowd, and he tells Peter, let's, let's go out into the deep. Push out into the deep so you can grow and draw a catch. Now, y'all know Peter. Peter is the cussing one. Peter is, Peter is just out of control. And so he begins to say, wait, hold up. 
We've been out there all night long. I know what I'm doing. The, the fish aren't biting, especially in the middle of the day. So let's just, you know, let's just wrap this up. But something caught Peter's attention. And Peter, Peter realized, he said, wait, hold up. This is the master. This is, this is, this is, in his teaching, he began to realize, this, this is somebody. His words began to burn in Peter's heart. And, and Peter began to just say, you know what? As you, as you say, master, I will, do it, I will do as you say. So I'll do what you say to do. And um, Luke says that he, the word that he used to address, address uh, Jesus was master or rabbi. So he immediately realized this is just not a man, that there is something different about him. And so the word master takes precedence over our human experience and our human knowledge. So he experienced, he began to realize that this, this is just not, you know, any guy. This is, this is the master. So the master proved that he was the master fisherman as they let down the net, amen. And a, they caught, you know, so many fish that there was just, his boat began to sink. He called for the other boat. And so they're standing here in a miracle because these are, are fishermen that know what they're doing and have never caught this many fish in their life, have never experienced this in the middle of the day at that, that their boats begin to sink. And as they're trying to get to shore, I'm sure they're just like, whoa, what just happened? What is going on here? And so the master proved that he is the master fisher, fisherman and that as, a, as a, they got to the shore, they were just astonished at what God was doing. So I want to say again to you, it, it, it's time to change. It's time to do something different. You see, as churches, as Christians, as, as a body of Christ, uh, most of us go to the same pond to fish. Amen? <laughs> we, we, our lives have become so routine, and we cast our nets to, oh, I like her. I'm going to witness to her. But there's somebody that you know in your office that really needs Jesus. <laughs> and you're just like, mm, I'm not going to waste my time. God is saying to us, begin to cast your nets. Begin to fish for those things. Just throw the net. You never know where to land. It's not your responsibility to lead them to salvation. Just cast the net and see if the Holy Spirit is working. Cast your nets outside. As church people, <laughs> we are the most pond-swapping Christians you've ever seen in your life. I don't like what they're doing over there, so I'm going to go over to this church, and then I'm going to go to that church, and we become, you know, just swap, swapping fish ponds. We're already, we're already fish. We're already been caught. But we, we, we hop and, and we look for, you know, we look for the better. We look for the trend. We look for other things. And God is saying, what I need you to do is settle and learn of me and stop swapping fish ponds. You can swap all you want. You know what you're going to find? Broke down Christians, okay? Attitudes. It's just as septic at that church as it is over because people have issues. And God is saying, I am ready to do a new thing. I want to break the dam. I want to bring in fresh water. I want to bring in a fresh anointing. But I have to have you listening to me. I have to have you with your eyes on the Ark of the Covenant, with your eyes on me, understanding 
where I'm coming from. So we have got to stop swimming in circles, amen? <laughs> we have got to, we, we, we just, our lives have become work, church, home, and whatever else you might put in there. But we're just swimming around and around weekly, you know, ding, ding, I got to go to work, I got to go to church, I got to do this, I got to do that. God is like, there's so much more for you to explore, amen? So much that I want to show you. Just like these fishermen who, who came and fished, I don't know how many times a week, they came out and they fished in the same old spot probably. They fished in their favorite little spot. They did what they wanted to do. I'm going to stick to this because this I have a gifting in and the people like me. They like my ministry. They like the way I cook or they like the way I sing or they like this or they like that. And we never, never launch out into the deep. We never try something different. We stay in the same places even in our churches. So the church has really become ill. It's become sick. We are really have become, because we've gotten so used to doing things in such a pattern of life. And God is here to break that up. I'm telling you, these viruses, this, everything that's going on is just God rumbling to say, okay, I'm going to get your attention. One way or another, I'm going to get your attention. So the press of God is beginning to break the dam. Amen. He's beginning to say, you know what? I'm going to just bust in here. <laughs> I'm going to bust into this earth and let these people see that I am God, amen, that I run this world, that it, that it might appear that the enemy is running it, but I'm the one who, who, who runs it. And so God is saying, cast your nets on the outside, amen. Do something different because the harvest is ripe and the laborers are few. The laborers are only few because the laborers are in church, amen. The laborers are in church getting fat, getting fed, doing their little missional work. And God is saying, get outside and go capture the harvest. Throw your nets and grab hold of those men and women of God that I have called. So when you stand face to face with God, as Peter did, God will, with God and surrender to him, he will accept you just as you are. When we see that Peter gets a revelation of God, and um, let me just go on into the verse, and he said, um, and when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking, and they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus's feet, at Jesus's knees, saying, depart from me, I am a sinful man, O Lord. <laughs> Jesus, uh, Peter was in the presence of the Almighty God. Jesus is in the presence, Peter was in the presence of the divine Messiah. He was in the presence of the teacher, and he realized it. He saw the miracle, and he realized, what kind of man is this? What is going on here? And then he immediately began to repent, and he just said, oh, depart from me, because I got issues. I am not worthy. And God wants us to know that we are worthy, amen? God wants, to, wants you to invite him into your mess. Peter was a cussing somebody. Peter was arrogant. I mean, when you read and you hear about he denied Jesus, Peter was out for Peter. Peter watched Peter's back. But when he got into the presence of God, he realized, I got to do something different. I mean, this man has came here on this boat and caught more fish than I have ever caught in all my days of, 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 of fishing. 
Peter began to see the divinity of God. Peter began to put himself up against the divinity. And Jesus just looks at him and says, no, (laughs) that's why I'm here, because I want you just right where you're at. I want you. Peter confessed his sins before the Lord. Amen? And we, you cannot hide from God. Let me just let y'all know. He knows the depths of your heart. He knows the issues. He knows everything about, about you. And that doesn't shake him. It doesn't move him. He knows if you're hooked on crack, if you're hooked on sex, if you're, you're stealing, if you're, you're lusting, if you're fornicating. He knows it all. God knows it. But yet and still, he accepts us just as we are. I want you to know that God accepts you just where you are, just like he did Peter. And God and Peter tried to get out of it, and then Peter realized, I'm in the presence of God. Let me, let me just, ah, no, I don't want you changing me, because Peter doing okay. I'm liking what I do. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying my life. Yeah, I had a bad day fishing, but I, I, all these fish right here, oh, they're going to set me straight. And so God was, so as Jesus stood there, Peter began to, to push away, but God just said, Jesus just, you know, pretty much just wrapped around his arms around him, um, and, Jesus, and Jesus just accepted him right where he is. I want you to know today, hey, there is no sin, <laughs> there is nothing in this building, even if we combine them and mix them all up and represent from God, God's going to be like, okay, is that all you got? Because he's seen everything, amen? He, know, he is the omnipotent God. He knows what you're going to do this whole entire week. What phone number are you going to call, whether it's a drug addict, whether it's the woman, whether it's the man? He knows it all. But God is asking us, he says, I need you to do something different. I need you to change your ways. I need you to change your attitudes and begin to do something different. So instantly, Peter knew that he was in the presence of God. And God, uh, and he was in the presence of the most divine God. And Jesus begins to speak to Peter, and he begins to tell him, for he and all, in verse 9, for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And also were James and John's, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. It's time to do something different. Here you have three men. It was a whole crew, but God only call, Jesus only calls three that were in a lucrative business, amen, doing well in life. And they encountered God. And after that, they encountered him. They left their boats. They left their nets. They left everything they had to follow Jesus, to become disciples of a most high. God is doing the same thing today. He is preparing, preparing to come and meet his bride. Amen. The bride needs to prepare herself. The bride of Christ is us. You might use the word bride, but that's neither male nor female. God is coming back for his people. And he's telling us, I need you to do something different. Begin to prepare yourselves for what I'm about to to. Uh, to reveal to you. Begin to cast your nets. Begin to gather my children together. Begin to do the things that I have called you to do. It is 
It must have been, I don't even know if it was scary for, it must have been such an encounter because Peter then without thought just left. They were just like, I'm done. I remember years and years ago when we were working uh, in the corporate world and pastor was at IBM. And I'll never ever forget what my daughter, my youngest daughter, at the time we were making really good money. And so we prayed about it and everything. And pastor just went in one day and told him, I'm out. I'm out. I'm going to, um, you know, start a ministry. God is co- has a calling on my life. And so just with blind faith, we stepped out and began to uh, do the things that God had called us to do. And even in that, it was scary. <laughs> it was, we didn't know what, where we were going. Uh, we didn't know what God was going to do. And times got tough. Times got hard. But even in walking through that journey, God began to just reveal more and more to us. As our faith grew, he began to show us what he wanted to do. And I'll never forget my daughter, Veronica. She's so bougie. So she said to us, I just don't understand why God would do this and make us so broke. Like, she was just like, I'm just tired. I want Lay's potato chips. I don't want the store brand. I don't want this, you know. And just as a young child, she just could not process why God would call us from our jobs, why God would take us away, you know, because it was affecting her financially. The things that she liked to do and stuff, had, it had an impact on our children. But Veronica was just not feeling it. She was just like, I can't even like, can I get $20? No, I don't have, you know, there's no more allowances right now. And so, you know, it, it affected those in our household. So when God calls you, people are going to think you're going crazy. They're going to think you've gone mad. You know, they're going to think, what is wrong with you? Like, you, you, you were doing so well. But God says, just trust me. Just follow me. Because God took three fishermen, amen? Three fishermen. And they became followers of Christ. They became his, his partners in ministry. And God wants us, Restoration Christian Fellowship, and for those of you watching for whatever, whatever congregation or whatever church you are, God is inviting us to be fishers of men in this season. Amen? He's inviting us to change our occupations. Don't take it as literal, like I got to walk into work tomorrow and, and, and do that. Don't say Pastor K said that. You make sure that, that, that you are hearing from the Lord. But there's some things in your heart that God wants to capture that God wants to heal you from so that you can become a disciple of men, so that you can, can walk in his ways, so that you can become uh, Christ-centered. So when your life is centered in God's activity, he will rearrange everything, everything for you. It's not that you have to try and figure it out, but God says, I've already got it. I've already, I've, <laughs> I created you. I know the plans I have for you. And God will begin to rearrange your life. God will begin to to show you your true destiny. So joining God, it requires adjustments and it requires obedience. So this morning, as we get ready to come to a close, um, this message is just purely about faith in God. It's about trusting God. It's about the salvation of God. It's about what God wants to do to us, what God is doing in this earth realm. God is shaking things up. If you begin to look at things and just process them through the heart of God, process them through the spiritual realm. God is about to do something magnificent. God is about to blow our minds. And we don't want to be on the outside like, oh, is that God or is that a 
Is that a fluke? Is that an act of nature? No, you're going to know that it is God. And you want to be a participant, amen? You want to be a disciple. You want to be a called one that professes the things that God is about to do. Amen? Hallelujah. Amen. Let's just thank the word, the, the Lord for this word this morning. Amen. As I close, Father God, we thank you, Lord, that you are calling us to do something different, Father God, that you are calling us to join you in your work, Lord. Father God, that you're preparing t- to show us again the miracles, Father God, profound miracles that will shake people, Father God, profound miracles that will bring people back to the house of God as we go forth, Father God. Disciples will come in and be trained and go back out, Father God, that this won't be a cesspool of, of, of Christians, Father God, just learning, just, just being lazy and lackadaisical, God, but that this house will be a house of restoration, God, that as you have already proclaimed, that people will come and be restored, God, and go back out, Father, and gather others and start their own ministries, Father God, impact this world, Father. So, Father God, as you begin to show us, Father God, let us not be so stuck in the awe of the miracle, Father God, but be awed by the miracle maker. So God, we pray this morning as we cleanse our hearts, Father God, and as we begin prepare to take communion, God, that you will show us the way, that you have chosen us just like you chose Peter, that you chose us, God, in our issues, in our sins. You're calling us each by name. So we will surrender to you this morning, God, and we thank you that you love us enough to look beyond our faults, God, and address our needs and call us sons of the Most High God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.